Let's just remain in that posture of praise, that posture of worship. You know, there's a occurrence in uh, midway through the book of Acts where Paul has met a man called Silas, and Paul and Silas have been tasked with uh, being missionaries, taking the message of Jesus to places that, that hadn't heard the message before. And uh, they were in a, a particular place, and just as they, were, uh, as they were there, there were crowds and crowds of people that didn't want the message of Jesus to be spread. And Luke, as he's writing the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 16, he says uh, that the crowd just began to attack Paul and Silas crowd uh, seized them and, and laid hands on them and tried to sort of drive them out of town, tried to stop them from spreading the good news. And it says from verse 22 that the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And the story doesn't end there. Because here are these two men who have a passion to spread the word of Jesus. They're beaten. They're stripped. They're flogged. They're thrown into prison. And the story doesn't end there. And there's a sense in my heart this morning, you know, Jamie texted about quarter past nine this morning. And the immediate uh, word that I had in my heart was that the word of God would set the captive free. You may be sat here tonight, you may be thinking, well, I ain't no captive. I'm free. But there's a sense in my spirit that God would say that there are things which have laid hands on us over the years, over the months, over the weeks that we've been on this journey, and they've beaten us with rods, they've stripped us, they've tried to run us out of town, they've tried to shut our mouths from spreading the message of Jesus, but the story isn't over. The story isn't over because as we go on from uh, that in uh, verse 25 of Acts chapter 16, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You see, the story doesn't end because Paul and Silas don't let it end. The story doesn't end because Paul and Silas say they may have beaten us, they may be trying to shut our mouths. They may have thrown us into the back of beyond. We may be chained to armed guards and chained to the walls and captive in this place. But there's one thing we can do. Pray and sing hymns. Pray and sing hymns. And I really sense that God by His Spirit was saying that His Word will set the captive free. His word will set the captive free. That tonight, if you're feeling like something has laid its hands on you, something has beaten you, something has thrown you into prison, something has got you chained up, there is one thing 
that you can do. Pray and sing hymns. Let his word set you free. Let his word set you free. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Praise God. Everyone's chains came loose. You see, you may feel like there is nothing you can do. You may feel like that thing that has laid hands on you, that thing that has got you bound up, that thing that has got you thrown in jail, that thing that has beaten you and stripped you, you may feel like they've won the day, like there's nothing you can do. There's one thing each and every one of us can do. Let's pray and praise. Sing hymns. Sing songs of praise. Sing songs of thanks and of worship. Because about midnight, a great earthquake came, rattled the foundations, and everybody's chains were loosed. Let's speak to our hearts right now as we go to the Word of God together. You should have a heart in the left-hand side of your chest, right about there. Put your hand on it and speak to it. Oh heart, why are you downcast? Oh heart, why are you aching? Oh heart, why are you enchained? Why are you burdened? Why are you imprisoned? Oh heart, why beaten and flocked? Oh heart, hear the word of God that sets the captive free, that looses every chain. God help us. Cleanse us with your words. Free us with your words. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Help us, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Jack shared some words earlier just as he was leading worship. Place your feet on me, the solid rock. A new position. And together we will fight. Place your feet on me, the solid rock. A new position, and together we will fight. Let that encourage your heart tonight. As you've spoken to your heart, as you've addressed some of those things in your heart that, that maybe shouldn't be there, that maybe are binding you up, let's take a new position with Him.
Let's take a new position. And together, we will fight. I just want to share with you two lists in Galatians chapter 5. Those of you that have been in church for long enough will know the two lists very well in Galatians chapter 5. If you don't, then it's going to be a surprise to you, and that's really good. The first list that comes in Galatians chapter 5 begins with these words. The acts of the flesh are obvious. I really love that phrase that Paul writes to the church in Galatia. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Those of you that are parents, you're really alarmed when the first word that comes out of your child's mouth is no. Because your instant response is, who taught them to say no? Who taught them to say that? We didn't tell them to say no. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do this. But you see, there is, a, there is a natural propensity, a natural inkling in humanity for rebellion. We're born to it. It's because of the fall of the first Adam in the book of Genesis, there was a natural propensity to rebellion. There is free will. God has given each man and woman free will. He gave Adam and Eve free will. And if we read Genesis, we see what they did with free will. And for you and for I, it's exactly the same. There is free will. For every child born, there is free will. There is free will to rebel. That no that shocks you all, shocks all of us, and we say, who taught them to say that? That comes from a very natural propensity, a very natural inkling in each of us to rebel, to rebel against mom and dad, to say, no way, I'm not doing what you tell me to do. I'm not going where you tell me to go. I'm not eating what you tell me to eat or cleaning what you tell me to clean. No way. Equally in the spiritual, for those of us that know that we are children of God, there is a natural, Paul puts it this way, a thing of the flesh that can raise up its head and can begin to rebel against the Word of God. So Paul says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. They are obvious because we very naturally can begin to think about them. We can very naturally begin to tap into them because that taps into our very natural desire for rebellion. And he goes on and he says, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And just so that he doesn't have to write for the next 20,000 years, he says, and the like. Because he could have been there a while. There are a whole load more that he could have plucked out and put down, but he said, and the like. There are loads more like them. That's list number one. And here's the risk with list number one. We can read it and we can think, well, I haven't done much of that one. I've done a bit of that one. Oh, I've never touched witchcraft. 
discord, maybe a little bit, jealousy daily, fits of rage only when I'm in the car, God, <laughs> selfish ambition, no, never, dissensions, factions, drunkenness, oh, geez, never, I'm an apostolic. And it becomes a tick box of the things we haven't done, of how good we've been, of how much I don't need to worry about that list because I haven't ticked all those boxes. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, if you've thought about a man or a woman that isn't your husband or wife in an improper way, you've committed adultery. If you've gossiped, you've committed murder. Harsh, isn't it? You see, the issue with this, if you take this list like a, a tick box, is that suddenly you begin to equate to yourself, or I begin to equate to myself, credit that I don't deserve. Because even if I've thought about these things, even if I've thought about gossip, even if I've thought about hatred, even if I've thought about discord and dissension and envy, Jesus' example is to say, well, you might as well have committed it. You just as well have. List number one, a sobering thought. A sobering thought of, of things that, that Paul says are the things of the flesh. There is a, a phrase between both of these lists, and we'll look at that now. And it says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. A warning, a really sober warning that if we decide to live our lives in that list, that if we decide that our hearts are going to be filled with those things and what seeps out of us is going to be that stuff and what people know of us and what people think of us is just something on that list. Paul says, those who choose that way will not inherit the kingdom of God. List number two. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit placed there as a complete counter to the first list. To say that the fruit of the Spirit, to say that it is possible that if our heart are filled with His Spirit, then out of us flows not debauchery or idolatry or witchcraft or hatred or factions or envy or drunkenness or orgies, but instead what flows out of us is His fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But I want to suggest to you this evening that, that, that that list is equally as risky. 
Because for some of us, we read that list and we say, well, love, I've got love sorted. Joy, well, I'm always happy. Peace, yeah, I've got that ticked. Patience, I'm the most patient guy you could get to know. Kindness, I'm always helping the homeless. Goodness, I love my wife. Faithfulness, I'm still married. <laughs> Gentleness, yeah, most of the time. Self-control, as long as it's not the fridge. It becomes another tick box. It becomes another thing where I say, well, God, it's okay. I don't need to worry about that list either because I've got it all sorted. I've ticked the box. I know that those things are flowing out of me, God. I don't need to worry about any of that. Maybe you play a bit of a balancing game where you take the two lists, you count the number of ticks that you've got in list number one, then you count the number of ticks that you've got in list number two, and as long as you've got more ticks in list number two, then you're doing all right, eh? That's not God's approach. It's not the approach of Jesus. It's not the way that Paul is, is directing the church in Galatia. In fact, Paul's words are to say that if you choose to live your life like this, you will not, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. One tick is a tick too many. One tick is a tick too many. But you say it's just me. It's just the way I am. Sometimes I get a bit angry. Sometimes I've got a bit of a temper. Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. Sometimes I lose control. Sometimes I find myself getting angry. Sometimes I find myself getting jealous. How can I possibly love that person after they've done what? They've done to me. And we begin to excuse ourselves because the tick list, if I'm not allowed a tick list, then I've got to justify the way that I've been behaving. What does Paul say? I warn you that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. When Jamie texted me this morning, I'm pretty sure he was minded that I would encourage you. And so I'm going to try to do that. You see, those two lists are risky lists. Those two lists are lists that if we're not careful in how we handle them, we can find ourselves either puffed up or severely deflated. There needs to be a balance. And I'm going to suggest that the balance is John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you 
bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The balance between those two lists in Galatians chapter 5, I want to suggest to you, is connection. Connection. Connection to Jesus. You see, if you read John chapter 15, you can very naturally come up with a question. And the question which I came up with right at the end of John chapter 15 is this. How fruitful am I? There's a real problem with that question. I don't like it. I don't ask it. I don't believe it's biblical or scripture. Apologies if you really like that. Apologies if you've got it written on your wall of your bedroom, okay? <laughs> I might be stepping on toes, but hey. I don't like that question. I don't believe it's the right question. I don't believe it's what we can read out of John chapter 15. There's a far better question. The question is this. How good a branch am I? How good a branch am I? Because the truth is that the branch is only as good as its connection. Jesus says that if you remain connected, remain in me, you will bear much fruit. The reality of connection is that what flows in the vine flows in the branches. There's your balance. What flows in the vine flows in the branches. So maybe you're struggling with the balance of the two lists in Galatians chapter 5. Maybe you've recognized that some of that quite negative list are present in your life. And so you're saying, well, look, I need to somehow work up enough ticks in the positive list so that it can counterbalance the bad stuff. That's not how God works. God is not a God of counterbalance. That's Old Testament. New Testament doesn't work like that. Old Testament was do bad, get bad. Do good, get good. That's the way of the law. We don't work like that today. New Covenant comes and says, I have fulfilled the law, paid the price. As Carly was talking about Leviticus, I, I have almost had it to the back teeth with Leviticus this week. Because if I have to pray, uh, not pray, read through anything more about uh, sacrifices and cleansing and uncleanliness and all that jazz at half past five in the morning. It's a little bit of a struggle, but as I'm reading it, I'm filled with joy because I realize that that is the way of the Old Testament. That's not where we are today. Praise God that you didn't have to bring two chickens and a bull to this place. You might have brought two chickens and a bull, but we don't need to sacrifice them. Praise God that you haven't got to go out and slay two pigeons every time that you have an impure thought. Praise God. Do you have impure thoughts? Everybody's like, no, we don't have impure. This is, we don't have impure thoughts in this place. Praise God we're not out there killing pigeons for that. Why? Jesus says, I have come to fulfill the law. How? One sacrifice. Once and for all. You see, list number one, that very negative list, there's only one way to solve that list, and that is with the shedding of blood. There's only one way to get forgiveness for debauchery, 
There's only one way to get for forgiveness for gossip, for idolatry, for sexual immorality, for orgies, for all that list. There's only one way, and it's the shedding of blood. Jesus, the one sacrifice, once and for all. Once and for all. So that's list number one sorted. Does that mean that there isn't still sometimes a pull to that? Yeah, there is. And that's why in the rest of Galatians chapter 5, Paul is talking about walking in the Spirit. He talks about this inner conflict. He talks about this conflict between the desires of the flesh and the things of the Spirit. And he says the flesh has got to lose that battle. The flesh has got to lose that battle in my life, and it is a daily battle. I said to the guys in Shrewsbury this morning, I did not want to get out of bed and come to church this morning. They looked horrified at me. <laughs> really, really horrified. It wasn't a problem to come here, but it was, but it was, it was this morning. It was a struggle. I didn't want to. I wanted an extra two hours in bed. It would have been lovely. That was the desire of the flesh. The flesh wanted some pleasure. The flesh wanted to just lay in that nice, soft bed for a couple of extra hours this morning. The flesh had to lose. The flesh had to lose because the things of the Spirit said that I had a job to do. God had something to do in me and through me this morning, and I had to be there because I'm a part of the body, and I needed to minister, and people needed to minister to me because I'm a big toe, and a foot without a big toe is an ugly foot. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the flesh has got to lose, and that's hard, and that's painful, but there's only one answer, Jesus. The shedding of his blood means that there is freedom, means that we can know what it is to win the battle. Why? Because of what Jack said earlier, fight the battle together. Position yourself in me. Place your feet on me, the solid rock, and together we will fight. Fight the flesh. Fight the flesh and push that desire down. Fight the flesh and keep a lid on those things that are just wanted to burst out and to have their way. So that the second list supernaturally happens. Why? Because I'm connected to Him. And because what is flowing in Him is flowing in me. What is flowing in Him is flowing in me. Loving Jesus, joyful Jesus, peaceful Jesus, patient Jesus, kind Jesus, good Jesus, faithful Jesus, gentle Jesus, Jesus full of self-control. What's flowing in him is flowing in those that are connected to him. That's why in John chapter 15, he says, remain in me. That's another daily battle. 
That's another daily battle, a decision to say, I will remain in you. I will remain and I will walk in you. I will stand in you. I will push on in you. I will do what it is that you want me to do. Why do I say that's a battle? Because the flesh, I very often want to go and do it my own way. I can see a better way. I've had those arguments with God. God, I know you've said we've got to go this way, but if we go that way, it'll be quicker, and I think the results will be better. I've had those conversations with God. And that is an inkling, a propensity to rebellion, to saying, God, I know better. I know how we can do this. And Jesus says, remain in me. Jesus says, stick to me, connect to me, so that what flows in me will flow in you. Towards the middle of John chapter 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And that takes us right back to Paul and Silas. They're in a place that they're unfamiliar with, but that they sense God has sent them there. That God has given them a mission for that place. And the mission is this. Open your mouths and just talk about Jesus wherever you are. And there are those of us in the room tonight that God has put us in really unfamiliar places. Workplaces social circles, places that we're really uncertain about, places that we're not certain about the people that are around us. He's asked us to do one thing, open your mouth, talk about Jesus. Open your mouth and just live out the gospel. Let be my hands and my feet, be my mouth. And there are risks. Because there are those that are ready to beat and flog and strip us. There are those that are ready to run us out of town. There are those that are ready to see us thrown in jail. How good a branch are you? How connected are you? How well do you know that what flows in him is flowing in you? Because that is your resource for tomorrow's battle. That is your resource for opening your mouth and talking about Jesus wherever you find yourselves tomorrow morning. It's not about tick boxes. It's not about balances. It's about one thing. Jesus. Jesus. I'm going to ask Jack to come back. And then I want us to pray. I want us to pray about that connection. 
I want us to pray about that feeling of guilt that we get when we think about fruitfulness. You see, the problem is that as soon as I think about the f- that question, how fruitful are you, I start hitting myself across the head about how many people I've led to Jesus, how many missed opportunities there have been where I could have spoken the gospel into somebody's life, how many times I've messed up and non-Christians have seen it, and that's just been such a bad witness for the kingdom. But when we ask that question about being a good fruit, a, a good branch, it's about connection. It's about what is my connection like with Him? How well do I know that what flows in Him is flowing in me? And how well do I know that what is flowing in Him and in me is my resource for the battle? My resource so that when I feel like doing the things of the flesh rather than the things of the Spirit, I'm able to say no to the things of the flesh. How well do I know that what's flowing in Him is flowing in me and that that's my resource to be able to say, Yes, Lord, I will go where you tell me to go. I will do what you tell me to do. I will say what you tell me to say, not in my strength, but out of your resource. So let's pray. Maybe just bring to mind some of those situations, some of those things that you're going into, some of those areas of uncertainty where you just kind of think, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And then as you think about that, think about the connection. Think about how strong that connection is. Think about how it's so strong that wherever you go, He goes because you're remaining in Him. Think about that whenever you open your mouth in those situations, what flows out of it is Him because that connection is so strong that what flows in Him is flowing in you. Think about the battles that are ahead and how you don't feel strong enough to even participate, let alone win. And about how He is so strong that John saw him at a distance and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, the sins of the world laid upon his shoulders. The old hymn writer writes, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Father, we lift to you those situations right now that are troubling us those coming battles, those uncertainties. And we thank you that we don't need to go it alone. We thank you that we can know connection with you 
supernatural connection. Father, help us. Help us as we examine our hearts. Help us as we read those lists. And we have a desire to see those fruit. Help us equally to push out and to deny the flesh. Help us, Lord, to make good decisions, to make right choices, to remain in you so that wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever you've called us to in the season ahead, we can know that we go with you. Father, thank you for the words that you spoke in your parable. The master comes home to his servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Father, help us to be good and faithful servants. Help our hearts to be hearts that rejoice in your joy. In the name of Jesus, amen.